Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. How you doing, baseball fans? Welcome to the 2023 playoff preview of the Gibby Show, presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi, and joining me, he is the two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, the skipper of the 2015 and 2016 Jays playoff teams, the best-selling author of his memoir, Gibby Tales of a Baseball Lifer, also the narrator of the audiobook. Joining us, as always, the star of the Gibby Show, the baseball lifer himself, John Gibbons. Gibby, welcome to October, my friend. Finally, huh? Gosh, what a long ride. We got here, though. This is when it really gets fun. Yes, it is. It's October and uh, lots to talk about today. The Jays are heading to the postseason and we'll begin the playoffs in Minnesota against the AL Central champion Twins in a best of three wildcard round. We'll cover it all on today's Gibby show. And later joining us on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, will be TSN's baseball analyst, Steve Phillips, to give us his thoughts on the Jays' postseason run. Plus, as always, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, we will have another roast and toast. But Gibby, it's an important one. Let's get right to the leadoff. It wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. To some, it was a little anticlimactic. The last week of the regular season was another emotional roller coaster. But hey, it was what we were used to during this entire 2023 campaign. It was the Blue Jays. And as you said all along, Gibby, just get in and just get in. They did, finishing with the third wild card spot for a final record of 89 and 73. The Blue Jays are indeed going to the postseason. Now, Gibby, first off, this team grinded all season long. Great pitching, great defense, uh, great bullpen. Offense, not overwhelming throughout the season, but got the job done and it got nerve-wracking and scary during this final weekend. Is this just the makeup of this team, a team where nothing will come easy with the 2023 Jays, or is this the time this rebranded team from a hit-first strategy to a more complete pitching defense team excels in the postseason? Is this team built for October? Yeah, I mean, people are never satisfied for crying out loud. He's got to get in the, get into the dance, and they did. You know, it's a, and they won what eighty nine games, and you know the, yes. uh, you know that ain't a bad thing. But but like you said, the bottom line, just just get in. And yes, they are built to be successful, they, and they could win it all. I really believe that because they have the pitching, they have the defense, and you look at you know their their offense came to life there at the end of the end of the season. It did. You know, you know, they ran into a couple of buzz saws, you know, with Cole and the other kid for the Yankees. But before that, they they swung the bats down in Tampa against mm-hmm. a team that at the time they thought they were going to be playing. You know, and then, uh, you know, and then, of course, you know, they end up they, they got beaten that extra in the game of Saturday, but they end up clinching anyway. But they swung the bats in that series. So, yeah, I you know, it's it's one of those things, you know, everybody wants you, until, until somebody's crowned a champion. Everybody wants this, this wants it, but it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, and they're, and they're, hey, they're in a good spot because they have that pitching. They got that bullpen. They got defense. They got some gamers. They got some, they got some guys that I think are going to rise to the top and they got, they put it this way. They have as good a shot as anybody. 
Yeah, they do. And that, that offense did really come alive. I mean, uh, after they were mowed down, like you say, by Garrett Cole and the younger Yankee pitcher, but their bats had come alive. They had a really, really good offense over the weekend. It seems like uh, this is all starting to come together and uh, there's some clutch hitting there. So it looks really good. I mean, everything seems to be coming better at the right time. This is the best time of the year for it to come together. Uh, I do want to address with you, though, because everyone felt it was going to be the Rays against uh, the Blue Jays. And now there's been a switch they're playing minnesota they're in a different bracket um uh, how do the twins uh, minnesota twins now match up against the blue jays as you head into a best of three well you know i, th- I do think the uh you know the blue jays will win it you know minnesota's a little bit different look now you know he, two months ago you would have said you know they're they, they they're they're in the playoffs because they're in the central division that's the only reason, right? But their offense has come to life. You know, one thing about the Twins, they always have pitching. They always play pretty good fundamental baseball. That's just kind of their calling card, right? But they've never had the firepower unless you go back to the, you know, the uh, Kelly here managed teams. And, you know, when uh, Jack Morse is on the mound and those those kind of teams when they last time they won it. But they're always good, solid teams. But now their offense has come to life the last couple months. And so you look at them a little bit differently. But do they have enough? I don't think so. You know, and I think they're, you know, they 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 can they can hit some home runs now, but the the Blue Jays pitching in my mind is just a little bit too strong for them. Yeah. Uh, speaking of pitching, uh, these are heavy decisions uh, when a manager has to decide. All right, who's who's my uh, opener? Who's going to pitch game two? Who's going to pit, uh, pitch game three if it goes to three games? Uh, take us through the mind of a manager and explain about all of those decisions that have to be made in regard to setting up the pitching, uh, setting up the bullpen. Uh, so take us through that as you have experienced it before in your days as managing uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, you know what, Johnny, you, naturally, if you, can, if you can, if things line up, if you're not having to use your ace if, just to get in, and you know, he's not ready for the first round of the playoffs or whatever, um, you, always go, you always go with your top guy. That, but that's where the Blue Jays are sitting pretty because they have so many good pitchers, right? And if they struggle early, they got, they got a, a dynamite bullpen. You know, a lot of times, I, well, I can only speak for myself, in, in 2016, right, that was when the wild card game was really a wild card game because it's, it's one game. You know, we take all you go go home, right? And so there's hey, there's it's either win now or adios. But we we're playing Baltimore, and we we had a choice of two. We could be either Stroman or Francisco Liriano, right? And, and Stroman, and people say, well, that should have been easy, but it wasn't because Liriano dominated Baltimore, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, but he he could he could run into spurts where he'd walk guys, and you always feared that in one game you got to win all, right? And then he then he had Stro. And it was, but but Liriano was so good against him. You think you you brought him into the equation, but we all said he's got to be Stroh. He's our guy out there. And I and I even went to uh, Russell Martin, our, our 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 big boy behind the plate. You know, our team leader, just just to confirm things. I want to hear what his thoughts. And I said, he said, you got to, it's got to be Stroh. He's our guy. You know, and these these are the kind of games he thrives. You know, and of course we started Stroh. He he did a great job. Liriano ended up getting in at the end when when Osuna had hurt his shoulder and end up. Uh, you know, finishing off for so, yeah. It, it that that was kind of that was kind of the emotional side of it, or, or you're you're judging, you're going with your character, you're the guy you want in a big game, guy that's been there, done that, you that you can really trust. The game's a little bit different now. They might be all throw it all, throw it all on the computer and let's see what that spits out. But it just shows you the human element in big games. Yeah. You know, you you want that guy you, you know is not going to shrink, and that's mm-hmm. why we went with Strom. You know. 
Yeah, it's a uh, certainly emotional uh, time. Uh, it's going to be wonderful to watch it unfold. Uh, you are listening to The Gibby Show presented by our friends at Miller Lite. And it is officially the postseason, Gibby. And if you're tuning in from Toronto, you may want to listen up. The Rec Room and Miller Lite are throwing a viewing party to watch the American League wildcard games this week. And Gibby, I guess if you were up there, you'd be hanging out at the rec room with everybody else, uh, wondering who was going to win and rooting on the Jays. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, that is get That is a pretty big deal for this viewing party. Yeah. What a great idea. You know, go there and have a few Miller lights with the boys, your family's friends. And, uh, you know, and with everybody else that's going to be going crazy watching these games. So uh, exactly. You know, you, you watch, you watch in postseason now in all sports and you, People that aren't actually at the game, they're they're out they're out outdoors in the certain areas, you know, and they put the big screens up so everybody can watch it together, you know. And this is this is what, what they're doing there. So that that's that instead of sitting on your couch by yourself watching it, go go down there to the rec room, hang out with some people and and uh enjoy hopefully a W. It's the most exciting way to watch a game. If you're with uh, like-minded fans rooting for your team uh, in an atmosphere like that at the rec room, uh, I would recommend everybody heading down to the Toronto rec room right across from the stadium. Enjoy a Miller Lite and have a chance to win some merch as well. Visit the rec room social page for more details. Tastes like Miller time, baseball fans. And uh, also one other thing, Gibby, I mean, that uh, it's there's still time to go to Instagram and uh, potentially win one of the two Miller Lite autographed baseball jackets signed by you uh, to enter. Uh, follow at John Gibbons 05 and at Miller Lite CA on Instagram. You tag a friend. Full rules are in the bio. Contest ends October the 3rd. So get in there quickly at 1159 uh, p.m. Eastern time. Uh, what a great response we've gotten so far for that also, Gibby. Uh, everybody wants uh, those signed jackets from you. Well, I don't know if it's the part that's signed. I tell you, they're, 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 they're fancy <laughs> fancy jackets. But I tell you what, if you're looking for attention or, or if, if you're low-key, you're not going to want one. But if, if you want to be, you want to stand out and be shining and people go, wow, ooh, get you, get, you better sign up and try to win you one of those. Uh, pretty cool jackets. Go to Instagram, of course, uh, at John Gibbons 05 and at Miller Light CA. Tag a friend, and you just might win one of these jackets. And give me one final thing. You already uh, picked the Jays over the Twins in the first round of the playoffs. Are you still sticking with your beginning of the season prediction that it's going to be the Atlanta Braves? against the Toronto Blue Jays in the World Series. Yeah, I am. You know, it uh you know, I it to begin with, you know, the Blue Jays have a better team than the Twins, you know, the more, more much more firepower. And then I think they could go through Houston and and uh, eventually get there and play the Braves. That would be I don't know if it was 92 or 93 they played in the World Series. It would, hey, it would be nice to see that again. Um yeah, you know, plus I'd feel pretty good to to my ex employers, man. I think you know what uh, exactly. You know, there's a lot of lot of friends on both sides, so yeah, and I think they're fully capable. You never you never know. You know who you look at the Phillies last year. Some if somebody gets hot, they got a chance to 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 run this thing, you know. And and uh, so you never know. That's the beauty of the playoffs, and you know that's what's so good about the wild cards. You know where now you get, you know, it's like the other sports now. You got more teams in it, and it's really exciting. It's been a it's been incredible for the sport 
And it's the most exciting time of the year, and uh, we'll keep a close watch on it, and then of course report on all of it right here. Do you think Taylor Swift will be there one of the games? You think Taylor Swift will show up in the game? That is ridiculous. First and foremost, I mean, (laughs) what what has happened to football with Taylor Swift uh, influencing fans, merch sales? uh, It's crazy. It's crazy. How long will it last? <laughs> it's incredible, man. That's the beauty of it all. Yes, it is. Uh, that will wrap up the lead off. And now it's time for Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. Uh, Gibby, are you a hockey fan? Oh, yeah. You know, I don't completely understand the sport, you know, uh, but yeah, I'm a huge fan because I, the toughness of it. And, you know, I've done it since I left Toronto. I did, did a few banquets with some hockey players. And uh, and get this, first hockey game I ever got went to was Montreal, 1984, Stanley Cup game in the old Montreal Forum, the Islanders against the, the Montreal Canadiens. Now, if that doesn't fire you up or get you excited, I don't know what it is. I couldn't play it. I probably wasn't tough enough. You know, it's like most of these guys in MLB. They couldn't play. They ain't tough enough. But I'm a huge fan. Yeah, you go. And uh, speaking of how exciting hockey is, uh, hey, Canada, Tim's NHL trading cards are back with an all new set. So get ready to unpack the thrill and score your favorite hockey stars. Grab them before they're gone. Starting today, October the 2nd, only at Tim's. That time of year, man, it's hockey season. It's the best time of year. You got that. You got football. You got baseball playoffs. Basketball's right around the corner, you know. And we become soft in this. All we want to do is entertainment. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we bring on one of the premier baseball analysts in the game. He is the MLB analyst for TSN and TSN Radio. He's host of the leadoff spot on Sirius XM's MLB Network, a former general manager of the New York Mets. Let's welcome back to the Gibby Show and Gabbing with Gibby, Steve Phillips. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good to be with you. And and uh, I've missed gabbing with you, so I'm glad to get back and do a little uh, talking <laughs> baseball. It's a good time to hey. gab. Well, you know, we were waiting for the perfect spot for you, man. Because You know what? Uh, you are one of the experts you know, in, the, in this business, all you got to do is listen to your predictions and all that. And I think John might have some of your predictions. How I you do. called this? And I think it's just, it fell in line perfectly. So we got the right guy at the right time. Let read it off, Johnny. Well, I tell you, I mean, that last column that you wrote, uh, basically it said, quote, I believe the season will come down to the final weekend, but the Jays will hold on and make the playoffs as the third wildcard team because they will be tied with the Rangers at 90 wins. That was a little off. Right. Uh, The Mariners will not make the playoffs, while the Astros will win the AL West. Now, spot on. Pretty close. Yeah, you know, it was was one that that Seattle's schedule was so daunting. I mean, you know, they had the last 10 games, they had seven of them against Texas and three against Houston, which put them really in a tough spot. Uh, with those two teams uh, in Houston, just that experience factor for me. And again, it came down to the last day of the season, right? Where they edge out Texas and with the tiebreaker, they win the division, which then pushes Texas into that second wildcard spot. Cause they had the tiebreaker, the tiebreaker over the, the, uh, uh, the blue Jays. So in the end, the blue Jays 
you know what? It's not the worst thing maybe to be the third wild card, to be able to play Minnesota, to avoid playing Tampa. Because remember, if you had played Tampa, I'm curious, give me you your thoughts. If they had played Tampa, it would have been games seven, eight, and potentially nine of the last 12 games that they had played against each other. That's a lot of familiarity. And I don't, I don't, I didn't love that so much for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I, I agree. We, we were talking about that, you know, the other day and it's like, Gosh, it, it, regardless of the what the you know you get all the info and all that you're playing each other, you get sick of watching. You know, if you're a fan, you're going, "Can we watch anybody else play?" You know, and yeah. but I, I think I think the the big thing is in, in is they now they can dodge the uh, the house of horrors down there, even though uh, ten days ago they played they won two out of three down there in Tampa. There's something about that place that's yeah. you, you know and they they have magic down there. That's all I can say. Well, I think the other thing is that that it it allows them to avoid Baltimore too, who really had their you know dominated them all year. And you know the the Jays were twenty one and thirty one against the American League East this year. They did not fare well against everybody else. They played pretty well. They did not right. play all that well against the East. And so avoiding Tampa, then avoiding Baltimore, at least in the in the division series, I think is an advantage for the Blue Jays. Uh, and because you know over seven game series then I like their chances a little bit better against Baltimore. But Baltimore really dominated them over the course of the season. So now they get to play, uh, uh, you know, in the, the Minnesota Twins. And if they win, they play the Astros. And again, that's a that's a challenge. There's no question about it. But they fared better against Houston in Minnesota than they did against both Tampa and uh, in Baltimore this year. No, no, no doubt about it. All right, Johnny, fire away, Steve. Let's eight. Hey. This is going to be money, right? We're going to take this to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, we are. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it really was an exciting end to the season. I mean, but the Jays uh, don't make anything easy. Um, when when you look at the Jays uh, matching up against the Twins head-to-head, uh, -head, uh, who do you give the advantage to? What are the weaknesses on both sides and the strengths? Yeah, so you know, it's interesting because, you know, the, the, the Jays' offense is really the, the one thing that's just been inconsistent. I mean, that's what the best ERA in the American League for, for uh, the year uh, and they've got depth of starting pitching the Blue Jays. They've got swing and miss stuff in the bullpen now, which they didn't really have with Swanson uh, and with with Hicks and, and with Romano. They've got swing and miss stuff out there, so which I really like. And what they learned last year against Seattle is you need swing and miss stuff out of the bullpen in the playoffs. You know, those contact guys, the ball flares in, you find a hit, they put it in play, a productive out, a sack fly, and you've got to try to get strikeouts. And so, you know, the Jays are better in that regard. Just their offense has been inconsistent. The thing about Minnesota is their starting pitching has been really good. Now, they've got Pablo Lopez, who they got in the deal from the Marlins, and they have Sonny Gray 1-2. Uh, and those two guys are very good. Lopez, an outstanding changeup. Uh, and for, for Sonny Gray, he's got the really very good curveball. Both of them can locate their fastballs, not necessarily overpowering, but you've got to be able to handle the off-speed stuff and not get caught in between. And that's where the Jays have had some difficulty this year. It feels like to me that sometimes Toronto is behind the fastball and in front of the breaking ball, that they're sort of in between, and therefore it's hard to hit either, right? I've always preferred to say look for the fastball, adjust to the off-speed. It seems to me like they get caught in between a little bit, particularly Vladdy with that. But, um, you know, the other thing for, for Minnesota is, their offense, middle of early in the season, pre-All-Star, they were middle-of-the-road offensive team. After the All-Star break, they're the second-highest-scoring offense in the American League, and their power bats started to develop. So, you know, they had Royce Lewis uh, start to come through, a young guy at the big league level. And this Matt Walner came up, and he's got great raw power, a kid from the Minneapolis area up there. 
Uh, and so they started hitting a lot of home runs. And in the playoffs, home runs can work, right? I mean, right. you know, a bloop and a bomb can can pay dividends. Um, so they're they're a team. Be careful what you wish for because they're better than what their record really indicates because they do have that power production and really good starting pitching and some arms out of the bullpen. So I'd rather play them than Tampa Bay for sure. Uh, but, you know, they're not going to be a pushover. The other thing that is a factor, though, is that they've lost 18 straight playoff games, the Minnesota yes. Twins. Going back to 2003, game one of the ALDS against the Yankees, they won that, and they lost 13 straight against the Yankees, 18 straight overall. So there is, and even though it's different players, there is that feeling that when something goes wrong, because they're going to get asked over and over again, why don't you guys win playoff games? Why don't you win playoff games? And then when something was wrong, it'd be like, oh, that's why we don't win playoff games. So there is that sort of other thing that the Twins have to get over that could prove to be an advantage for the Jays. Hey, but you know what, too, that baseball guys might, might, might be tired of crapping on them, you know? They might say, right. all right, we're, we'll give you guys a break here. But I, I agree with you. You know what? The one thing, you, you, we've both seen the Twins over the years, right? They've always been a good, solid pitching team good fundamentals. They could execute with the bats. They never really had the big firepower of some of the other teams. And if you look at this team this year, a couple months ago, like you were saying, you would have thought, nope, again, the playoffs, it's it's going to be two and gone, right? But their offense has come to life, which all of a sudden makes you think, okay. And then they have some pretty good pitching that's going to, that should keep them in the game anyway. So it should be, it's, it should be a great series. I wouldn't be surprised if we went three games. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either. I, I think know? the Jays are the better team. I think the Jays are yeah. the better team, but I just don't know what to expect out of the offense for, for Toronto that, yeah. that they, they, the season has felt so much like they started and stopped, started and stopped. They've never really sort of hit that rhythm to roll. That being said, they made the playoffs, right? And so, I mean, they're, they're, they're there and they can get hot at the right time. Now, everybody I talk to executives on teams, managers of, of other teams, they are, afraid of Toronto. They think the Blue Jays are a team that just has so much talent that they could roll through the playoffs. And so they are a bit of a sleeping giant, but I, I don't think anybody can dismiss Minnesota. Correa is a big factor. Had the plantar fasciitis. It's unclear, you know, what his, I mean, he's going to come back and be activated, but you wonder what, where he's going to be. Royce Lewis, big power bat, hamstring issue. Where is he going to be? Buxton, his work in trying to fight his way back into it. So it's hard to know exactly what the Twins are going to look like, but you know they're going to pitch well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's we'll put it this way: it should be it should be a good series. You know, it really should. You know what? Let me ask you now that now that you play, it's two out of three, the wild cards. You know, I, I remember I liked it better when it was just one game. Here we go, boys. You guys, you didn't win the division. One game, it's on the line. What, what do you think? I mean, I think for the yeah. baseball, the fans love too, but yeah, no, it's interesting. I think there's a couple things with it. Uh, that the idea that, that, I mean, two out of three, you know, the reason they're doing it is thinking, geez, do we want just one, will, will teams invest at the trade deadline if you're going to get one game in a wild card? And I think we've seen more teams be aggressive at the trade deadline because they feel like it's not one and done, but they could still win and, you know, take two out of three. So there's a little bit better chance that the better roster could prevail and that it's not just dumb luck in one game as to what could happen. I think the other thing about the wild card that I think should be looked at is, so for instance, Minnesota has the worst record of the three wild card teams in this wild card format, right? 
The Blue Jays have a better record than the, the Minnesota Twins do. So does Tampa Bay. So does Texas. And yet, Minnesota, because they won the division, gets to play the least wildcard team. I personally think that they should seed the wildcard round based upon the one-loss record. So it would be Tampa Bay would play Minnesota and Texas would play Toronto would I think be a more fair representation of what yeah. you know the wild card round would be. They want to reward the division winner, but especially with a balanced schedule right now, I don't know that that necessarily needs to happen. And I don't think it's fair that Minnesota, uh, with the worst record of the four teams playing in the wild card round, gets to play Toronto when I think that they should play the team with the best record overall. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Like you said, the worst record of all the play, play uh, wild cards. And yet they're in the weakest division too. So what is that? Right. You know, it's it, there's got to there's. I, I agree with you, man. Did have you brought that forward to the commission yet? Yeah, no. Well, they, you know, they. I mean, it's been out there. You know, and and they've they've hesitated on doing it. But I will tell you that I think that that you're going to see at the GM meetings this year a lot of general managers talking about that because you know all we're really wanting to do is have a, a fair representation that your record during the regular season matters, even if you don't win the division. And especially now because of the format where we balance the schedule, we're, you know, we're playing everybody now. And it's not just, you know, this division might be a little tougher than another division. Uh, and I think it's pretty clear that of the teams, Minnesota is probably the least of the six, although very capable, the least of the six in, in the American League. Right. Okay. Johnny, what do you got, man? Steve, I want to get an opinion on uh, Schneider. Uh, and the way he may be using uh, the uh, the back end of the bullpen in this series. Uh, he put uh, Jordan Hicks in uh, recently over Romano in a situation. Uh, do you think he's going to be more relying on uh, Romano as the closer, or he's going to kind of maybe use this, uh, uh, depending on a situation between uh, the fireballer, which is uh, Hicks, Right. And his standard closer, which is Romano. Yeah. So he, you know, he went with Romano facing the the heart of the lineup, I think, in like the seventh inning or eighth inning. And then Hicks came in afterwards. I don't think the differential between Romano and Hicks is that substantial that I would take guys out of roles. I personally would have Romano pitch the ninth and have Hicks pitch the eighth or some part of the seventh and the eighth with Swanson in the mix there too and work in Mesa. And, and and maybe you're working Kikuchi somewhere along the way there from the left side. But but I don't I don't think that Romano's that much different than Hicks that I would take him take him out of the ninth inning. I think there's a comfort level there that yeah. that for most of the season Romano's pitched the ninth. And I get that maybe he is your best reliever, but I think the differential between Romano and Hicks is not worth the differential in the feeling for the pitchers about pitching in that comfort role of the ninth inning for Romano or, or seventh or eighth inning for Hicks. So I would tend to do it more conventionally with having it a closer pitch the ninth inning, just because this is the format for what I think would work for this Blue Jays team. Gibby, what do you think on that? Yeah. Well, you know, Steve, you, 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 he's got, they got such a good bullpen. You know I mean? They can, they, they can fire it. You know, they, you could almost, you could just flip coins or bring anybody out. Cause they, I mean, they, they have those kind of arms. I think what happens and you're a psychology major, right? Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. It, that's perfect for this. What we're talking about here, you know, Romano's been your guy, right? All of a sudden, he maybe he maybe struggled. You know, he struggled last or two weeks or two weeks ago down in Tampa. He, you know, got uh, low bl bled him with a little bleeder. They lost the game in Tampa. Right. 
And so everybody's saying, oh, the sky's falling. You know, he can't close games out anymore. But in his mind, he's the closer, right? And this late right. in the season, you jerk him out of that role. Now, you know what? Things creep in. Oh, oh, now, oh, oh, now I'm not good enough. This and that, blah, blah, right. blah. They don't all think that way, but the majority of them do, right? Now you put oh, yeah. Hicks in there. And Hicks, all of a sudden, he hasn't been the closer here with, with Toronto. You put him in there, now the pressure ramps up on him a little bit instead of just you can't leave. You know, you, now you're, it's time to ride the horses that got you there, I, th- I think. Yeah. you know, so, so you don't let any of this get in the way. Yeah, I'm with you. So I, I kind of look at the bullpen as a living, breathing organism. All of the guys out in the bullpen. And the head is the closer. And when the closer's right, then the rest of the bullpen is right. Yeah. When the closer's off sync, then the rest of the bullpen might get off sync. But if you actually rearrange it, I think it affects everybody that way. Even the guys who might come in in the sixth inning of the game. Because I do. I think that 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 it's a unit out there. And the head is the closer. And that, that predictability for the ninth inning of the guy that you have out there, I think is really important. Now, other bullpens... Maybe the 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 key pitcher, like you look at at Tampa, sometimes Fairbanks will pitch in the seventh inning or eighth inning because of the way they've done it. And it's their predictable way of using their pen. And so that living, breathing organism's head is a little bit different. Fairbanks is still that guy, but they're okay moving him around because it's the way everybody's accepted it. I don't see the Jays that way. And so I right. personally would lock down Romano in the ninth inning. Yeah, I agree. Because like you said, Tampa's been doing that all year. Right. You know, so they, they, those guys expect that. Now it's going to be, you're getting in somebody's head. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, you know how it is with, it's, it's stupid as it is sometimes. You start juggling your batting order, you know, you take somebody, you know, you know, unless somebody's struggling, the, these guys go, what's going on here, man? I'm, now I'm not here. Or, you know, and they, it gets in their mind and they start, you know, and, and it, it shouldn't happen. But that's, that's why the, 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 set, the thing that separates in baseball, it's not always town. It's it's these guys up here. They, they're strong oh, here. I mean, you know, that is absolutely. I mean, I it's you everything. Know, when, when it comes to managing, you know, it's one thing to write up a lineup and the X's and O's when to take a guy out. That's part of the decisions for sure. But but knowing what's going on in your players' heads, it's you don't manage stats. You manage people. And yes. and and so I'm in on analytics, and I like analytics. I think it's a tool to use, but it's 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 not the numbers that play the game. It's people who play the game, and the way they think, the way they feel, affects how they play. And and then it can link to everybody else on your roster, everybody else in the lineup. And that's the job of the manager is to really understand your guys in a way, talk to them in a way to be able to put them in the right position to succeed. And, and look, in some ways, I think John Schneider this year. When Springer was 0 for 30-something, he did move him out of the leadoff spot in the lineup. And honestly, I actually thought at that point it was probably the right move to make. And in some ways, if it, even if it made Springer uncomfortable, he needed to get a little uncomfortable to get back on track. And, you know, he hit the home – or he hit it, got a base hit, and he started wanting the ball, and he laughed a little bit. But I also think Belt sort of moving up in the lineup to the two spot, I do like that for them. Uh, Bichette going down to four wasn't the worst thing overall. So they've made, you know, they've made some moves. Springer back in the leadoff is the right thing. Vladdy in the three hole. And then you sort of, it, but I think that the, one of the keys, I think for the Jays are the left-handed bats. I think you're looking at Belt, Varsho and Biggio are all, all really important guys. And all three of them yeah. feel like they're starting to swing the bat a little bit right now. I think Biggio has been terrific. He's made some great defensive plays for them. He's elevated his game and Varsho looks like he's finally getting comfortable and I do think the left hand at bats is going to be really important 
against the changeup for Lopez and against the breaking stuff for Sonny Gray and the two-seamer. And so I think that that – and they've got some of those guys who look like they're coming on a little bit right now. I agree. Yeah. What do you got, Johnny? I really want to uh, have you look into the crystal ball now since you uh, were so spot on in your last column. Um, who's going to win, Jays or Twins? Now, are you going to keep me on camera when I flip the coin here? Because I, you know, I, I kind of flipped the coin <laughs> to come up with these predictions. Now, I, I think I do think that the the Jays are going to win this series, and I do. I think they're going to win it in two games. I think the the losing streak for Minnesota is going to go to twenty. Uh, <laughs> I think the Jays, especially if they get Game One, uh, and I think Gosman. You know, the other big thing for for getting into the playoffs on Saturday, it protected using Gosman on Sunday, which was critical. Uh, and, you know, I think it was the difference maker for the Jays going into this series. Gosman's been so good. He's a guy that keeps the ball in the ballpark against a team that hits, you know, swings for the fences, which I like. Uh, and he can get some ground balls where, you know, Carlos Correa led all of baseball in hitting into double plays this year. And so, you know, to get a guy on base in front of him and to get Gosman to get a ground ball double play could be critical. The defense of the Jays I like. Uh, and do, so I do have the Jays winning this series in two games. Excellent. Um, you want to give us your predictions, uh, what your thoughts are on the other uh, series in sure, the uh, yeah. American League and the National League? Sure, yeah. So I think I think the Rays uh, beat the Rangers. I mean, the Rangers, what a horrible day they had on Sunday. They lost the division. They Instead of having five days off, they have to jump right into a wild card and they have to fly from Seattle to Tampa. Like, can you imagine that flight? Now, it was long enough that maybe they could transition from feeling horrible about themselves to feeling a little bit better about being in the playoffs. But I just, I don't know that they recover from that devastation. They're the one team that got to October and felt bad about themselves, right? They're the one playoff team and they feel bad about themselves because of what happened. So I think Tampa Bay beats them in two as well. Uh, you know, in the National League, I think the Phillies beat the Marlins. I think the Brewers beat the Diamondbacks. I think the Phillies and, and Diamondbacks actually sweep those series too. And I think the Phillies and the Brewers, I'm sorry, the Brewers sweep the Diamondbacks. I think the Brewers and Phillies are sleepers. I think I think Milwaukee has the pitching. They can beat Atlanta and they can beat Los Angeles. I don't know the Phillies with where Nola's been this year, mm -hmm. uh, but I had, I had Atlanta and Toronto in the World Series preseason. I'd still go that direction with it. I think Baltimore beats Tampa Bay, and I think Toronto beats Houston, and then Toronto beats Baltimore. <clears throat> After Remember, go back to 1988. I think the Dodgers and Mets, uh, if I recall, I think the, the Mets or the Dodgers, they dominated the other side the entire season, but in the playoffs, it flipped the script. I think that it doesn't matter in the playoffs that, that Baltimore dominated. I think Baltimore's pitching is a little bit short. They've surprised me this year. I think Toronto can outpitch them. I think they can beat Baltimore in the LCS. And I'm looking at an Atlanta-Toronto World Series. You know what, Stevie? That's exactly what I picked. But, you know, the two, my, my two employers, my latest employers. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was kind of front-running a little bit, you know. That's all right. I called it the Alex Anthopoulos, <laughs> the Alex Anthopoulos World Series, right? I mean, he's done such a good job in Atlanta. And they're a powerhouse. And Freed's going to be back with Spencer Strider in the rotation uh, and they'll have Kyle Wright in the bullpen. And I think that I think the Jays starting pitching is as good as anybody, and they can throw more quality innings than anybody else because of the depth yes. of that pitching staff. Hey, I gotta ask you something, because we you know about the Dodgers, right? You know, you look at they clear clearly, you know, everybody they got the reputation. You look at the, what they've done the last few years. You know what? Sooner or later you gotta win. You know, they won that year that the COVID year. That doesn't right count. Here, right? that, was, sure, that doesn't that doesn't count as far as championship. Sooner or later, these teams that 
run away with it and, and they got the reputation. They, they got to start winning or other, otherwise it's, uh, you know, you go back to the Atlanta Braves for the 13 straight championships or, or divisions, right? And they won yeah. one World Series. Right. You know, you should... So, you know, I know it's not that easy, obviously, you know, especially with the extra rounds and things like that. But sooner or later, those teams got to they got they got to step. They got to win it, man. If people think, you know what? Yeah, I'm with you. And here's the thing. I look at Atlanta, I look at the Dodgers and I don't love their chances, uh, which is why I could see Milwaukee sort of making a run because you got Kershaw, who's been good, but he's a five inning pitcher right now. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he's not pitched all that well in the postseason in the sixth and seventh inning. I mean, he's had, you know, a great career. And then Bobby Miller, who's a wild card, he's got a great, great arm, but he could give you a two and two third inning clunker, just like he might go seven shutout innings. Hard to know what to expect. Now they're going to score. Freddie Freeman is amazing. Betts is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I don't love their bullpen either in Los Angeles. And so I think there's a vulnerability there. I, I don't see them being the year that they can make the run this year. And, and yet, you know, the other thing is when you look at Milwaukee, they're the one team that goes three deep with really good starting pitching. Everybody else can give you two, you know, Wheeler and Nola, uh, you know, Kershaw and Miller. Uh, you know, you can, you can, you can look at, you know, all these teams in, 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 the, you know, you can go Freed and, in this in Strider, but after that, there's some question marks, right? Bryce Elder. Yeah. Uh, and so the one team that has three legit dominant starting pitchers are the Milwaukee Brewers, which is why, you know, I, I, even before the season, I thought that they had a shot to do it uh, and, and, you know, may have put a, a couple of uh, shekels on uh, Milwaukee at the beginning of the year uh, to win the world series when it was like plus 3,500 for them to do it because, you know, I just liked their pitching and thought they had a chance to get there. Exactly. That's just like the Blue Jays. They got they got pitching galore. You know when you when you compare them, and that's what that's what wins in the end, right? The pitching and defense. Yeah, you got to score. There's no doubt about it. But you know what? The, the championship teams you got to have something on the mound. You know, you're not going to outslug anybody to the top. You know, absolutely. Really, good pitching can shut down good hitting, uh, and and you see good pitching on, among these playoff teams. What's going to be really interesting though is how does the stolen base come into play? Right, we saw stolen bases through the roof this year. Most attempts we've had in in deck in a, in deck more than a decade, um, but the ability to manufacture runs is is more applicable this year than it has been ever before. Right, we've seen Arizona lead the league in stolen bases. They can hit some home runs, but they can you know a single can become a double, a double can become a triple. Guys score from first base because of the the, the speed of you know the extra bases limitations on throwing over the bigger secondary leads. And so that is going to be an interesting perspective where in the past home runs prevailed in the postseason. I think the stolen base is going to be a factor this year. Oh, hey, you're, you're right. You know, it's a different look. I got to ask you before we let you go here, too, though, because, you know, the, the with the rule changes going back to that. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the bigger base. The base paths are a little bit shorter, not a lot, but a bit. Right. And that's incur I still don't understand how you can put limitations on how you can work the runner at first base you know you could i mean i mean is, is that really you know it's I, it, uh... I'm, I'm i listen i'm with you on it and uh it would not have been something i would have put limitations on because you know the whole thing is you tell a manager go out there and win a game and then you say oh yeah but you can't do this you can't do that you can't do that to try to win a game well i mean you know then then i guess what everybody has to do is start to build their team with speed and if you can't beat them join them because this yeah. is the rule. And so, but the idea of having to reconstruct rosters, I mean, the Yankees, you know, got old and got slow 
And in this era of baseball where speed and athleticism are a factor, they were built for a different way to hit the ball over the wall. And with shifts where, where range didn't matter defensively, you could have an older guy because you were able to put three infielders on the right side of second base. And, and so LeMahieu didn't right. hurt you there. Rizzo didn't hurt you there. Now you take that away and some teams were not prepared athletically for these rules. And so it's going to take some time to make some adjustments. And, and listen, you know what? The rules are the rules. People are getting worked up. They should change the, the pitch clock, pitch timer. Listen, it, in the NFL, if, if if somebody takes a delay a game penalty on a final drive of the game and it costs them, we don't get mad at the, at the rule. We get mad at the quarterback for not getting the playoff. Same thing in right. baseball. If a pitcher gets busted on a pitch timer violation, don't get mad at the rule. Get mad at the pitcher. He's had enough time to make the adjustment. These are the rules. Get ready to go play for him. And, well, one more though. You know, when the uh, you know the the three batter minimum you got to face, right? That one that one bothers me too because okay, on any given night you bring a reliever in, he may be an old a reliable guy for you, right? And he just doesn't have it that night, and he's right. got to face three guys. The game can fling like switch like that. that. You know where? You know, okay, you know you change you. And it takes away from the lefty specialist a little bit. Those guys have got to be able to get right-handers out now. I, I just think it puts you in it, it. It can, it, it's not fair, let's say, because those guys aren't good every night, you know. And you ought to be able to. If this guy doesn't have it, man, boom. Especially in postseason baseball. Yeah, here's the thing. I I look at it and think, why is it okay for the opposing team to pinch hit for the batter and they can change him, but you can't change the reliever. I mean, that just doesn't feel right. I understand it's a time issue that it doesn't take that much time to change a hitter. But what we're effectively saying is we're going to give the offense an advantage because you get to make a change to adjust to the pitcher they're bringing in, but you can't adjust for the pitcher either. And, and again, I get it. I don't love it. It's one of those rules that I like situational left-handers and the strategy of the game. It did slow it down, and I do love the pace of play. And I and I here's the thing. I'm probably willing to sacrifice it for the pace of the game because I think it's been much better product overall. But from a competitive point of view, I'm with you, man. Like I, I don't. It's hard enough to win games. Don't tell me I have to try to do it with one arm tied behind my back when I go out there and try to play. And for managers, I hate it for you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it kind of ham, hamstrings you a little bit, you know. Yeah, so. it does. Well, all right, Johnny. You got anything else before we let Steve go? He's a busy man. You know, he's got to. Yes, we got yeah. to send him to Vegas, man. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, as you guys were just talking about managers and how it affects the way a manager can, uh, you know, strategize a game. Uh, it's the end of the season. The axe is already starting to fall on some high-profile managers and major markets. Uh, Steve wanted to get your opinion on. Uh, what's happened in New York, what's happened in San Francisco. Right. And uh, Cleveland, that obviously Francona leaves on, he had a great career, he's stepping down. But the other two markets, I mean, the teams really handled those firings in a very uh, unusual way, really. Yeah, no, they did. I mean, the Gabe Kapler one was interesting because Larry Bear, the president, came out and said both Farhan Zaidi, the president of baseball operations, and Kapler were safe. Uh, but then something changed. And and I think at some the point. kiss of death. Yeah, right. I mean, and so they make the change there. And for the Mets, you know, you got David Stearns coming in. You know, it's not, it's probably not a surprise. It probably wasn't a surprise to Buck Showalter that you know, a new guy coming in. I mean, David Stearns didn't even talk to Buck Showalter. This was, you know, Steve Cohen, the owner, talking to David Stearns, saying, what do you want to do? Do you want your own guy? And he said, yeah. And then it was them taking care of it for David Stearns, which is, if you're going to make a change, then it was probably the way to protect David Stearns from doing it. Let Steve Cohen do it. If Buck Showalter wants to manage again, 
he can manage again. He'll find a job out there, I would assume. Uh, you wonder about the Padres, what they're going to do with Bob Melvin. Uh, and, you know, Showalter managed Manny Machado in Baltimore with some pretty good success along the way. So you wonder if there might be a fit there with them. Uh, the Giants are in win-now mode. Uh, they're going to spend some money this offseason. So you wonder where they're going to go. Very analytical organization. He felt like Kapler was like, if, if he if he wasn't analytic enough for them, then I don't know that anybody's analytic enough for them. So it'll be interesting to see what direction they head there. And there's some speculation. Nobody knows what the Angels are doing right now. There's just, you know, there's some noise out there about Phil Nevin, who just, you know, took the one-year deal. They got Perry Manazzi and their general manager. Artie Moreno, you don't know what he's doing. Uh, and so, you know, there are still some teams that I think are going to sort through. Uh, but, yeah, there's going to be some changes out there in the managers. I could see Gibby, you know, Gibby always looked good in, you know, you know blue and orange. Uh, back in the day. So I could see a little New York action right there. Uh, yeah, it would be fun. Hey, I'd like to see you in Boston, man. Bean town. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, uh, you know what? I've always said I wouldn't really want to come back and do that because at the end of the day, somebody wins and somebody loses. And I don't have an owner, an owner's son calling me right now that I could be a GM for 30 teams <laughs> and never have a problem with anybody. But they do pay those guys a lot of money right now, too. So it's, uh, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do up in Boston because it is a, a great franchise. We'll see. It is. Well, Stevie, listen, man, we can't thank you enough, pal. And you're, hey, my you're pleasure. True professional, man. You're and you know, your money, you know, nobody's ever hundred percent, man. You, man, you, you know, everything you say makes sense. You're thorough with it all. We, we appreciate that. And our fans will appreciate that. Hey, listen, glad to do it. Happy to visit with you guys again. Look forward to it and, and look forward to, to joining you again in the future. All righty. Take thank care you so much. All right, guys, you got it. That wraps up another gabbing with Gibby. Steve Phillips, man, he is he is a great analyst. What great uh, what great observations, predictions, and just your discussion with him and our discussion with him. It just uh, it, it really educates you on on just about everything that's going on in this uh, wild, crazy playoff season that's about to kick off. Yeah, he's a real pro, you know, and he he was a really good GM, and you know, we were teammates. We started in the Mets Meyer League system, so I go I go way back with him, and uh, yeah, very thorough, very prepared, you know, he, and he, he very in depth and all that stuff. I can't say enough good things. He's a very smart baseball guy, and just an all around good dude. Yeah, another great guest on Gabbing with Gibby, which we do each and every week, and now inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, it's time for this week's roast and toast. Gibby, another question for you as we get uh, ready to roast somebody. Did the fans ever really annoy you to the point that you wish they weren't there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I also know who pays your salaries for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, one prominent MLB pitcher seems like he would be happy if the fans were not there. Uh, in an interview with MLB Fitz last week, Atlanta Braves starter and one of the brightest stars of the pitching staff for Atlanta, Spencer Strider, made his feelings known about fans at the games he gets paid to play in front of. When asked about his hottest baseball take, Strider said, quote, there should be no fans. 2020, <laughs> no fans. Get rid of the fans. It's too loud. Everybody be quiet. We don't need the cheering. We know you're watching. I don't need the fans. Stay outside the stadium. Or let's do like a no lower bowl thing. Stay in the upper decks. That's great. Outfield, phenomenal. But we just don't need you around the bullpen. Just try to be quiet. 
And in previous statements, Strider has said, I'm not a fan of the public as a whole. So we doubled down in this interview. There's no doubt that this week, the roast of the week has got to go to Spencer Tri- Strider of the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, maybe it was, hopefully he was joking. I don't know if it be that serious. Well, I hope they, if they get they, they get the World Series against the Blue Jays, and he, he happens to be pitching in Toronto. You know, they got the the new bullpens down there where it's 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 up their level with oh, the fans. Oh, could you? That'll drive him nuts. Maybe, Can maybe, you imagine? They'd, they'd be killing him. But oh god, you remember that one? What, what, what year was it when they had the, in Baltimore? They played a game with no fans there, you know, because of the I think they they're rioting around town. Yes, they played a game. There was nobody in the stands, and uh, I don't think people enjoyed that that much. Uh, He's probably outnumbered on his thinking. Yeah, I would think he would be outnumbered. And I would think that uh, your good buddy Alex should have a little uh, chit chat with him and say, hey, listen. No, <laughs> hey, no, no. any of us. <laughs> well, obviously, it's not going to happen. But, you know, anybody that pitches that good, you just kind of get out of their way. Just let them say what they want. And, That's and, it. Uh, maybe, or maybe they'll come dressed up. Remember when they used to wear the, the, the garbage bag over their head, the uh, paper yes. bag? Um, for really bad teams or dress come dressed as a seat or something. Maybe that's yeah. what they'll do. <laughs> It'll be interesting to watch as the, uh, as the season progresses into the playoffs with uh, Spencer Strider. So uh, interesting comments from him uh, this week. We uh, have the toast of the week as well. And throughout the baseball season, we have watched as they've showed flashes of brilliance assembled, arguably the best pitching staff in the major leagues. They have frustrated their fan base, uh, cause epidemics of nail biting and churning stomachs and they provided a season full of excitement and hope this past weekend they made it to october as a playoff team squeaking into gaining that third and final wild card spot in the american league and now the push to the world series has begun it won't be easy but they are in our toast of the week goes to the toronto blue jays best of luck guys in the postseason jays yeah, you know, Johnny. Hey, it was a long road, but you know what? Hey, you get get in, you know. And and uh, fans get frustrated with all that. You know, you set expectations, and and very rarely does teams just run away with things, right? You know that that that's uh, there's 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 ups and downs, and you know everybody everybody wants to jump ship, and everybody wants to know what's going on. And, and I tip my you tip got to tip your hat to the team and the coaching staff for for you know a. Hey, Full speed ahead. Let's let's go. Take take your shots, and you know what? We'll we'll get there in the end. And that's that's what they did. And so now it's time for everybody to just enjoy the ride, you know, because they got a chance to win it. And uh, but we salute them. Everybody in the organization put together another playoff team, caliber team. You know, the front office and and then of course players and coach staff carried that out and in a wonderful fan base. So enjoy it. Exactly. Enjoy it. Uh, before we do wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show, uh, we would like to pay tribute and salute uh, somebody in Major League Baseball that we lost uh, way too young. Uh, Gibby, can you give us your comments on the passing of Tim Wakefield? Yeah, Johnny, you know, I, I spoke with him one time. I really didn't know Tim, but I, I knew of him and uh, I watched how he carried himself. You know, these are the situations, regardless of what you did for the game on the field, you know, this come, this is life, you know, and he was a wonderful guy. Everything you hear, wonderful family, man, just, just a, uh, and a, and a great representative of the Boston Red Sox and, and of life and his family, you know, and, uh, he had a tremendous career gone way too early. And, um, yeah. but we salute him. We, and, uh, we all feel for the baseball world. 
Yes, we certainly do. And uh, thank you for those comments, uh, Gibby. Uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Gibby Show for John Gibbons. This is John Arezzi. We'll be back with you to talk more playoff baseball right here on the Gibby Show next week as the 2023 Blue Jays begin their playoff run. Have a great week, everyone, and go Jays. <laughs>